0: Hey friends, this is Heather. There's no sponsor for this week, but I wanted to let you know a couple of very important announcements. Next week is going to be our last episode of this season. We'll be starting up another season sometime in September, and we will announce the date as we get closer. Now, for those of you who felt sad there for a second, let me cheer you up by letting you know this summer we are not going to leave you hanging. We are going to do a five week mini summer series starting July 17th, and that is going to be a deep dive into Pope John Paul II's apostolic exhortation, Christi Fidelis Leici. And that's on the vocation and mission of the lay faithful in the church and in the world. You guys, this is so good. You are not going to want to miss this. I have loved this apostolic letter, and I think you will too. We want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to get all all our latest posts, reels, extra content. We're going to be highlighting favorite episodes from the past seasons all throughout the summer. Did you also know that we have journaling and discussion questions that you can download or print for every episode that we've done? It can't be easier to start a group or to just call up a friend to discuss the content of the episode that you just listened to. You can also join our private Facebook discussion group to connect with other Abiding Together listeners anytime you want. But for now, we hope you enjoy this special guest we have on this upcoming episode. God bless you. Well,
1: hello, dear friends, and welcome to season 12 of the Abiding Together podcast. We are so excited to be back with you for another season. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. and We have people from all over the world on this walk together, and you are most, most welcome. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I am joined by two of my very dearest friends, Michelle Benzinger and Heather Kim, and we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life, the movements of the Holy Spirit, what is breaking our hearts, what is healing us, and where the Lord is leading us to deeper relationship with Him. So wherever you find yourself today, wherever that is, you are most welcome. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast, and we have another amazing, awesome, wonderful woman we're going to interview today. We can't wait for you to meet her, but Heather's going to introduce her in a second. But before we do that, Heather, Michelle, how are we today, my friends? Michelle, your kids are about ready to come home, so we better get this. <laughs>
2: we better get this. Oh, done. girl, they're already home, but no, that's <laughs> fine. And so, yeah, they're home from school. It's springtime. Yeah, it's all good. I'm good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Live in the Easter season, girls. Live in the Easter mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I had to have
0: a really good cup of coffee. <laughs> I feel like you're you're living it and convincing yourself yes. you're living it. Right am, yes. <laughs> and
2: so um what is it, Wendell Berry says, the poet, practice resurrection. I am practicing resurrection right now. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> over and over again. That's the yes. deal. And so <laughs> oh, that's so funny.
2: Sister, how are you? Doing
1: well, still here in the great state of Florida, your your home state, Michelle, your state of residence here, and just doing some work with the Jean-Paul Two Healing Center, which is always a gift, and enjoying the springtime here. And I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited today. So Heather, do you want to talk about what's up with you, girl, and you want to introduce our guest for today?
0: Yeah. The only thing I want to say is I had quite a bit of fun this week with Father Dave Pavanka and Deacon Bob Rice, and we were just having a back and forth online and through their podcast and our podcast. And some people were like feeling very protective over us as if you know they were somehow hurting our feelings but I must say these are like brothers to us we love these guys and we were having such a laugh back and forth and all all in good humor and sarcasm so Mm -hmm. that was a really fun interjection in my week because it was like full of a lot of serious things and so to just have some brothers to play with this week (laughs) which just Mm -hmm. felt really fun it felt really good so, anyway, but I am excited for our guest today, who is hey. Sister Josephine Garrett.
3: Whoa. Whoa. There's oh. much rejoicing. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, Thank y'all for having me. I'm real excited about the conversation, I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, we're excited too, for so many reasons. And sister, mm-hmm. I had the pleasure of meeting you. It was like several months ago, we both ended up at the Given Institute. I didn't even know who you were, that you were gonna be there. I didn't know if I would make it there. Actually, it was crazy, I think, for a whole bunch of people. And then there we were in the same place. And I was like, wait, what? Who is this girl? <laughs> like, I just was like amazed by your presence, like just your presence immediately, the joy that came from you, but also the humility and just the realness. I was just captivated mm-hmm. by your authentic authenticity. authenticity immediately when I met you. So it's been great to kind of get to know you and keep in touch over the last few months. But we're excited to dive into your heart a little bit and like the things you're most passionate
3: about today. Thank you. Thank you. And I remember when I met you, we could have sat back in that green room all day chatting.
0: So sister, one of the things I don't know is one, if you're a coffee drinker, and if so, how do you take your coffee? What's your kind of morning routine?
3: So to admit my coffee routine is embarrassing, because it is light 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 brown so it's probably a little coffee with a lot of half and half it's just unfortunate uh, so that just is like gives you access to one of my vices that's
0: okay so. we welcome all different types here so you're most welcome with that
1: so sister josephine we'd love to just hear your heart and hear a little bit about you so can you share with us like what what do you want our listeners to know about you what's what's most important thing about you
3: I think like the most important thing is I'm a spouse of Jesus Christ and the sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth. Mm. I love my community. They are getting me ready for heaven, <laughs> even when it feels unpleasant to be gotten ready for heaven. Uh, so I'm real grateful to the sisters. I serve as a counselor, so the ministry that I serve in is to be a counselor here in Tyler, Texas. I'm a convert, so I grew up Baptist, and I'm a Texan through and through. I just actually shot my first rifle a couple <laughs> of weeks ago at a clay pigeon clay range, and I felt like that solidified my Texan. I don't think you did that. <laughs> it solidified my Texan. So my family's from Houston, Texas. I'm the youngest and the only girl, so I have two older brothers, and I love being a counselor. Yeah.
0: That's cool. I don't think I knew that you were a convert for some reason. I don't think that stuck with me about your story before. Like what prompted you? I, I'm sure it's a huge long story, which we don't have t- time for the full thing today. But I know that's going to be a question on people's minds as well. Like what drew you to the Catholic Church? Uh,
3: mm-hmm. when I, so I'm 18 years a Catholic this year, so I can vote now in the church. <laughs> <that's what people laughs> are telling me. But when I went to the University of Dallas, so I graduated from the University of Dallas. And when I enrolled there, I didn't know it was Catholic. Uh, I <laughs> Surprise. Thought, these are nice people. I'll go here. And so it just obviously made a huge impression on me. I got to spend a semester in Rome and got to meet Pope, you know, hear Pope St. John Paul II speak often. So yeah, over time, the Catholic faith made a huge impression on me. And it was two years after graduating in 2005 that I entered the church My motivation was to be like the women who had raised me. I was raised by incredibly prayerful women. Mm. I just realized that I wanted to do that in the Catholic Mm. Church. That's awesome.
2: So, okay, Sister, we'd love to know. So with your conversion to the Catholic Church and your love for counseling, how did those two merge? And how did those come together, your vocation to religious life and your vocation as counselor? And just what even inspired you to go into
3: counseling? So when I, before I was in the community with the sisters, I worked in banking. And so I was a vice president at a big bank and did operations management and project management. And I joke with people and say, when I entered, I actually was still working. So I was working from home, which was the convent for the bank. And the sisters were not going to send me back to the bank after the novitiate. So I needed to discern how I felt called to minister. And for a long time, I thought I would get a theology degree. But when I was on what's called an apostolic experience, where we kind of go around all our ministries for several months, I spent some time in the counseling department at our university. And as I learned about what they did, I realized like the goals that I had, like the reason I wanted a theology degree, those goals were better fulfilled as a counselor. Hmm. And so I went to my superiors and asked if after the novitiate, I could instead get a master's in counseling. And it was really beautiful. You know how some, this isn't sometimes, this is a lot of the time, the people who love us can sometimes have more insight into us than we do ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when I revealed my desire to the sisters, they affirmed it in me and even like, you know, revealed back to me like reasons that I didn't know that they knew it would be an appropriate ministry for me. So it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, it that is. That's beautiful. That's awesome. I, I feel like right now in the world, counseling is sort of like acceptable mm-hmm. in a way that it hasn't been before. And mm-hmm. that's not for everybody. There still can be a stigma around that. But it seems like more people are opening up about going to see a therapist or I'm going to counsel. I'm going to talk to my counseling because there's a recognition that we need help, you know, and I'm uh, all, all of us are big believers in that. All of us have talked many times about we go to counseling and and, we, and have throughout our lives at different times. I think for, for a lot of people, they experience a lot of discomfort within their own families, and that can be a real challenge for them. And I know that that's an area that is really important to you to talk about family systems and how to have those be healthier. So would you like to speak to that?
3: yeah I thought like as a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth, our charism has within it like to help sanctify family life and strengthen families. And so when I got to school, I had a desire to specialize in family systems, but it was just like so much more work, and i'm not like I'm not schoolgirl, like I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not big you know and so I didn't go that route. I specialized in trauma mm-hmm. and also ended up specializing in working with children and adolescents, but systems reality, it just landed right back in my face. And I think any Catholic clinician cannot avoid systems reality. Like, like practicing from a systemic Mm -hmm. approach as a Catholic clinician, we can't because I'm not helping my clients grab a hold of and understand their inner experience just to understand their inner experience. Like it's always, to put them back into relationship mm-hmm. with their loved ones, their family, the members who are healthy and you know able to receive them with their communities, with the church, and also into like a different way of relating with themselves. And so I think, especially with trauma, because the way that trauma can alter the relational parts of our brain, I was thrown back into a system reality even when I thought I had tried to avoid it. Because as my clients were unlearning trauma, we had to relook at systemic realities, their family, and also wider systems, right, because we abide in, like, a series of systems, and that, that initial one is our family. And so I was kind of put back in the systems theory because of the trauma healing, and then when working with kids, I couldn't avoid family systems, you know, because the child is brought mm-hmm. in, and it's like the child has a problem, and it's like, well... There is a problem in your family and you believe the identified patient is your child Mm -hmm. is the better wording. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there may be an inner reality going on in that child that we need to grab a hold of, bring out, work out. But once we start doing that, the whole system changes. And when working with kids, there's like a desperate need to have the engagement of the family uh, because the kids need help to reinforce what they're gaining from therapy. And so that, and then as a Catholic clinician, we know like the final realization of the human race is a family. Like all of this is tending towards one family in God mm-hmm. in Christ. And so like, like I said, as a Catholic clinician, I don't think you can avoid ending, not ending back up with an emphasis on systems, especially family systems, because that's like the school of love.
1: Thank you so much. I know we get a lot of questions of, you know, how do I find a good therapist? Like, how do I find a good counselor? How do I? And it's many times it comes in in time of distress. Like my family now has a problem or my child has an eating disorder or they have an addiction. and I don't know what to do. And can you like fix it? And I think what you're gently revealing is it's not a fixing. It's about bringing the whole system into a healthy, like homeostasis, right? Where there's connection and encounter and, and there's love and there's people understanding kind of what that role is and how do you bring about the how do you bring about that harmony in in the communion and the community how do you when you work with young people especially and you work with parents kind of how do you how do you help them understand that truth of the needing for connection and encounter it's not just about fixing problems but it's really about receiving communion and receiving each other as gift
3: it's always gently I love parents. <laughs> and that has been a surprise. Always <laughs> gently, I, I didn't get into this to work with parents, but I have come to really love and respect parents because it's a it's a heavy lift being a parent. And because you're bringing in your own stuff and now you've got this kid who's got stuff and your spouse has got stuff. And so you've got all these dynamics in motion. Everyone's striving Like the idea of homeostasis for the human person is safety. So everyone's like striving for safety Mm -hmm. and they can really Mm -hmm. start to hurt one another Mm -hmm. um, as they strive for that safety. So when I'm dealing with parents, like the first thing I try to do is to like mitigate the shame because I think parents Mm -hmm. oftentimes are dealing with a ton of shame. Like I did this to my kid. Mm. You know, I remember sitting before a mom once and just having to have a real conversation with her about what were fair expectations for her son right now based on his developmental history. And that developmental history was in some ways, the fruit of some of her uh, struggles and suffering. And she looked at me and she said, you're telling me it's my fault. I said, "Mm -mm, let's talk about Mm -hmm. your story. And, you know, and she realized like she's had a painful story. And so it's not about fault. Mm -hmm. It's just about like, we all want to be safe. We all want to be loved. Like, how can we reduce the shame Uh, and try to be for one another best we can. So with families, I go slow. I try to have reverence for them and respect and honor the need to go slow. Cause I would love to just like tell all the truths in the first (laughs) session. But they can't absorb all of that. And then they're going to run away from me (laughs) because I'm a threat to their safety as a system. And so, yeah, I try, I go slow. I use a lot of science to help communicate the importance of connection with developing kids, to help ground them in something they can hold on to, because there's a ton of good science that reveals these spiritual truths about our need for connection. And then I try to give parents practical tools that they can implement. And celebrate when they see results. Like I actually have pom poms in my office. And like (laughs) they make they make fun of me. Like I had another day a child was resisting a a spiritual behavior and she has stopped doing that. And the mom kind of looked at her and said, Gosh, you haven't resisted that in a few weeks. And I said, Let me get my pom pom. So yeah, so it's to start big with the spiritual reality, to root it in something that can hold on to science, to be okay going slow, because these are these patterns we're holding on to, they feel like life or death. And then to give them practical steps that will start to initiate connection uh, and trust.
0: Yeah. Sister, I love, there's so many things that you're saying that are so wonderful. One yeah, is like so just to celebrate the small victories. I think that that's huge. Like as we're going through different processes and we're we're trying to grow to celebrate the victories along the way, that that's really important, even if they're very small. And then also like the, the importance of individual stories, but that those stories aren't just, I know right now many people are focusing on discovering their own story and what's my history and what led me to be who I am today. And then what are the places I need to heal but that also what I hear you saying is in a system of other stories and so the need to understand the other stories that are in the system as well that it's not just about me and my need for safety but that someone else has a need for safety too and a lot of other needs that they might have and a lot of other wounds that that they might have and we all deal with those differently and I found that personally in my own life like as I've understood stories of people close to me it has definitely softened my heart towards them instead of feeling like everything is personal taking everything personally I might be able to say Mm -hmm. sometimes in my own heart oh yeah that might be because of this from their from their past or from their history and I can I can actually extend some compassion and empathy in places where I used to just self-protect so I I think that Mm -hmm. that what you're saying there is just absolute gold can you talk a little bit more about like the human need for connection and how that affects our development?
3: It's one of my favorite topics. So there's this trick that you can do, okay? Two people can stand across from one another. One is the observer, one is the doer. And the doer is going to rub his or her hands together like they're cold and trying to warm their hands. And the person who's observing, in many cases, their hands will start to warm and tingle. And it's a demonstration to show that our brains are social and are constantly seeking to understand and process the experience of the person in front of us and in Mm -hmm. in a mirror Mm -hmm. fashion. And so when a baby is born, we have something in our brains called mirror neurons. When a baby is born, babies are the human beings in the world who have the most mirror neurons in their brain than any other human because they need the greatest amount of help Mm -hmm. to know what it is to be human. And so we're looking at one another trying to receive information about what it is to be human. And so it's not just a need for connection, it's a need for connection that allows us to flourish in the image of God Mm -hmm. and to flourish in the dimension of gift. So, you know, we cannot know ourselves except through a sincere gift of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that says, like, the human person can't be what he or she ought to be outside of relationship. So it's not a need for connection to be consoled and comforted, although we want that. (laughs) It's a need for connection that we might be, right? Like, that we might be what, what we are to be, Um, and so I love, I love that this science, like this neuroscience, neurobiology, and a lot of this is understood in the trauma discipline. We get, we better understand this. I love that all of it speaks into that we are made in the image and likeness of God and that love is communion. And at the final realization of the human race is about communion.
2: That's amazing. I think. I mean, I'm just sitting here like nodding at everything she's saying because like that feels like it's just been a journey like for myself personally, but for all of us. But it always amazes me like we are made in communion. We're made in the, you know, like the Holy Family is a Trinity and then you have the real Trinity, but that um, communion of persons, as you were saying. And so we're hurt very deeply sometimes oftentimes in family, but we're healed in the context mm. of family also. And I just know for me, for us, like two of my kids have experienced severe trauma, very, you know, severe trauma. But I remember when we, I started going down this route, probably like five or six years ago, and I heard first heard like attachment theory and all this kind of stuff and at an adoption conference and stuff like that, and my world was opened. I remember a really wise counselor there said to me she said she said to me she looked at me and she said your healing is linked to their healing Mm. it is joint restoration and you cannot uh, heal one without healing the other and they cannot heal without you healing and so you have joint restoration it goes together and anytime that you think it's separate you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) this is like your healing goes together and I mean and then fast forward a couple of years we went back into counseling again and by this time, like, we've known a lot more about the nervous system, regulating the nervous system. And the counselor looked at me and said, this child is going to learn how to regulate her nervous system through you. And your nervous system is not regulated. And, I mean, I kind of took offense to that. I was like, excuse you? And so, um, but, and she's like.
0: Maybe say that softer? I know. Obscure? There, was, there was
2: no soft. There was, I mean, like, Sister Josephine, they, she did not have pom pom Sister Josephine. Like, there was no cheery. Oh. <laughs> and so but it was beautiful because I think for any of us, especially like we were saying as parents, if you tell us that we will transmit this pain or this unhealing, we will like cross whatever bridge we can to do for our children to have healing and for our families to be healed. So for with the families that come in to you. How do you integrate this into a school? Like you do it within a school context too. So what does that look like for you and your students? And then how do you bring the families into that, like in a Catholic school? And are you really happy in Texas? Like, because Florida would really look really good for you.
3: (laughs) Canada also, Canada also. Canada, Canadian. (laughs) Um, So I love what you said, that we are healed in the context of family. There is, I'm going to talk about the school, Michelle. I'm going to get to that. But there is a saying from a clinician who's he's probably an atheist, but he called this his spiritual rosary. And it was what he said to himself every time he was just getting too much in his head about his relationship with his client and their healing. He would say to himself, It's the relationship that heals. And he would repeat it over and over again to himself It's going to be this relationship. Right. That I can establish with this client so they can have a place to flourish that ultimately is going to like help heal. Right. Or in really in a sense, we're healed in the context of the family because the family is where Christ is born, Mm -hmm. because Christ is always the facilitator of healing right? It's not me. Mm -hmm. And so the reason we're healed in the context of the family is because that's the door Christ first came through into the world. And it's the door he continues to come through Mm -hmm. in the world. And so I just feel like I love that you said that. With the school, it's been so much fun. And I just recently had some struggles. You know how your struggles make you grateful um, had <laughs> some struggles <laughs> that just made me so grateful for the school, for the families, for the administration, because I was telling them, like, it doesn't matter if I'm a good counselor, like, I wouldn't be able to serve if I didn't have amazing families here, like, you know, an amazing administration. And so mm-hmm. I've been very grateful. So in the school, what we've done is implemented a Catholic guidance counseling curriculum That just that has a focus on virtue, but virtue for the purpose of like healthier relationships with yourself, others and God. Hmm. And so we're teaching skills. You know, we talk about virtue. We share the curriculum with the parents in the hopes that they'll, you know, as much as they're able to reinforce it in the home. We try to do use things like restorative discipline. They hate it when they have to come to me, and we're gonna do a think sheet like where you think about we're gonna think about what you did <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna think about it relationally. so it's not just about how you were impacted by this choice, but how is the community impacted by this mm-hmm. choice, right? and the people that you care about and love and so. Uh, In the school, that's how we're doing that. When I work with parents in the school, because we're seeing more and more neurodevelopmental diagnoses and those diagnoses do like they are best served in healthy relationships to help shift shift that neurodevelopmental reality uh, requires a specific way of relating. So helping parents understand that. So I'll meet with parents one on one i hold small groups with our girls at the age where they start to get vicious and try to teach them how to relate in a better way to one another. Um, so that's what it looks like in the school. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of fun. Some days it's hard. You know, there's been some days where I had to find a door to get behind and cry. Overall, it's a really, really beautiful community. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I feel like something you're touching on, sister, is that family and, and uh, healing within the context of family can also extend beyond maybe yeah. our biological family mm-hmm. into like the family of our church, the family of our community, um, spiritual family. Could you maybe just touch on that for a sec?
3: Yeah, I think this this is in the teachings of the church that no man, Pope Benedict said in uh, his encyclical on hope that no man sins alone and no man is saved alone. Um, and so it's a beautiful paragraph that begins with like, no man is an island unto himself. And so, and I'll talk with this about families. I'll talk about this with families also, that like the sanctification in your family contributes to the sanctification of the church. Because in your baptism, when you are anointed priest, prophet, and king, that priest is the common priesthood. And the priest makes sacrifice on behalf of the people. But the altar is the family life. And so, when there is healing in the family, there is healing in the body of Christ because no one sins alone and no one is saved alone. And we have this in our constitutions for our community, our sisters. We say we journey as one covenanted community to the Father. Mm. You know, not me by myself or her by herself. we journey as a covenant the community <laughs> to the Father, so I think sometimes we forget that that the little day to day stuff in the family is a tremendous gift to the church.
1: Hmm. sister we have a few minutes left. I'm just wondering, you know I, I I love that you work with young people because so many people are overwhelmed by young people, and I just I love that you work with adolescents and I mean, we all know, like all of us, you know, have, we we all are above the age of adolescence, and we know what a tumultuous time it was for each one of us. And man, having some somebody in our life to speak the truth to us, to love us, and I think for all the perils of social media and just the inundation that you know teens these days are are facing, things we never faced. Like we we've never seen this in the history of humanity before. And as you work with teens and you see their beauty and their goodness, like. Like, what words of hope would you offer about our young people today? Like, what do you see as seeds of hope in them when you walk
3: with them into these places of their heart? They are truth speakers. (laughs) I mean, they just they can see things Mm from what they are and they will say it. And I love that. Like, sometimes I watch these teenagers present questions to their parents. That needed to be asked, and our truth bombs about the family situation. And I just rest my chin on my hand, and I'm like, "What you, what you gonna do?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I love it. I think they're a gift in their sincerity that they will tell the truth. We can learn from teenagers because where they are developmentally, they have perhaps it's the time in their life. At any point in their life, they will not have a stronger desire for connection. And so I think there's a truth that they reveal to us and in their insecurities about all of us, you know, and their deep desire. That's kind of a naked desire for connection. And they just make it really apparent. in that desperation that they have for connection, we all have a taste of that. And it's very, it's very apparent in them. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I think they're a gift. But I would think the main thing I enjoy is that I never have to, I don't have to tiptoe with my teams. <laughs> it's always sincere. And I wish that families would pay attention when they ask those profound questions filled with truth that a lot of times systems avoid in order to hold on to false safety. Like I think Mm. teens can really challenge the system Mm. um, if we would kind of go with them when they ask those tough questions and hear them out. Mm. That's so
0: good. I'm wondering, sister, like for those who are listening right now and they might be in a place where they feel like. Certain things are in shambles or they're struggling or maybe feeling a bit of hopelessness about maybe it's their circumstances or the circumstances of their family. Like, is there any just like words of encouragement and hope that you would have to offer them today?
3: Two things. One, uh, I'll tell, especially when I'm talking with parents, but I think this applies with all relationships. If someone came to me and said, Sister Josephine, as a clinician, do you prefer relationships that were always perfect and never had problems? Or do you prefer relationships where there have been struggles and are struggles, but people are working to repair, like faithfully trying to make repairs? I'm going to choose the second one every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Because that's what forms the human person, mm. right? That's what forms the human person. So that's the first thing to say is like, I wouldn't strive for perfection. I would strive for a willingness to repair when it's appropriate to repair. The second thing I want to say is when it's not appropriate to repair, like when there needs to be space, I think sometimes we think reconciliation equals less space. But that's a lesson that I learned. I didn't learn that in school. I've been learning it recently recently. Because I had to draw some really painful boundaries in a really old friendship. I'm adopted by my aunt and uncle. Well, my aunt's like my mom. She's who I call and we sit up on the phone and keep. <laughs> she knew I was about to draw these boundaries. And I was like, this is hard. I just, I just want to call my friend. And she said, no, you are loving her with this boundary. And she was like, this boundary is good for both mm-hmm. of you. And so sometimes reconciliation, which reconciliation is about relationships that have integrity are and and they're in truth. And so sometimes being in truth may mean more space, not less space. Mm. And so those are the two things I want to say. Some, maybe it's Hallmark, you know, that has us think it all has to end with this lovely, you know, <laughs> but sometimes connection can be found in boundaries and space always with boundaries but with more space and I think our culture hasn't taught us that because she and I are relating in truth right Mm -hmm. now and I think it will help us be what we ought to be
2: Mm. sister that is good good. that is so good I mean, yeah. I had to grab my pen and paper and take notes. <laughs> like, so good. Yes. I mean, we could talk to you probably for like another three or four hours. Mm-hmm. And so like we could do it. But
3: you yeah. you got to go see about your kids and I got to cook chicken for the sisters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so real life is calling. Priorities. Real people, life. priorities. People. priorities. This is the true story here.
1: Yeah, maybe sister, we always offer our one thing to our listeners as we close, but we would love to hear what your one thing is for our listeners. But would you also have some resources? Maybe you could include them in the show notes of like a couple books. People want to learn about family systems or about neurobiology or kind of what you're talking about. Do you have a couple go-to resources you'd be willing to offer? Because I'm sure people are like, oh, my gosh, what are you
3: talking about? I want to learn more about this, you know? Yes. So one of them is called Wired to Connect by Amy Banks. I actually just keep that on the desk here. And then uh, Amy Banks is not a, a Christian or Catholic. Um, she's a uh, does a neuroscience. Great. I mean, it's just great work. And there's so much stuff in here that's Catholic and she don't know it. And then <laughs> – Another one that I love is called How We Love, and that is a Christian couple who put attachment theory framework into something that's more easy, it's easier to talk about in their framework. It's Christian focused. And although they wrote for married couples, I'm able to use that in parenting and child relationships and also with individual clients. Um, So How We Love, it has a website too, where you can take a test to figure out your attachment style. And then the book is a great resource as well as the workbook. Thank you.
0: That's so good. And where can people connect with you, Sister
3: Josephine? Where can they connect with you? I'm so bad about that. I have an Instagram, but I never remember the handle. But I think if you look for Sister Josephine, we'll put it it in the show notes. No worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to join us today, sister. What a gift you are. I mean, just you who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a gift to sit here with you and you're, I mean, it's weird. I feel like even though we're Mm -hmm. online, I'm like just to be in your presence in in this way is like such a gift. So Mm -hmm. thank you for the gift of who you are and that you've you're allowing us to see these gifts come out and how you're giving your life to the world and through the church and through your community. So thank you very much for being with us today. And that brings us to our one things, Sister Josephine. We'll let you go last so you have time to think. Michelle, how about you go first?
2: Um, mine is the NBA, NBA playoffs. We just went straight from, you know, the final four in the college playoffs. And I don't watch professional basketball that much. I love it, but I don't watch it because it will take up too much of my time until the playoffs. And so I am all about it right now. And so um, I'm excited to see who is going to go, who's going to make it. My sons and I are all talking smack about every the teams that we like. We like different teams. And so, yeah, so that is my one thing. Sister Miriam, what about you?
1: Well, I I would love to give a shout out to our listeners. I just want to give a shout out to all the people that have just been so wonderful. I met a group recently, a group of women from Louisiana who took our a study on identity and made a book out of it. And it's a Whoa. it's a full it's so wonderfully done and we just have a lot of great people that just thank you so much just for all the ways that you mm-hmm. just, you know, take the message and make it your own and just it's such beauty is being flown out. So I I really appreciate that. And I do also love college softball. Can I just say that? That's a college softball season, so I'm a big fan of that
0: as well. Heather, you— so my one thing is a little movie on Apple Plus that I just watched with my daughter, Eva. It's it's like 30 minutes and it's an animated and it's not like new. It doesn't look like new animation. It's very simple. It has kind of a classic look to it. And it's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. This little movie, you guys, like we sat there, we were like, oh, let's watch a movie. We got popcorn. And within minutes, we had mm-hmm. like tears streaming down our faces together. Eva was like, wow, I didn't know I was just going to get rocked by watching this little animated movie. I'm like, I think this movie was written by four counselors or something because it was just full of like sweet little love like truths you know about community and connection so I think it goes very well with what we're talking about today it's worth a watch Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage people if you have apple plus you can check it out there all right sister Josephine what's your one thing
3: so my one thing first of all I have those posters in my office Heather from that book and Mm -hmm. my one thing is the women's bible study that we had here at the convent over Lent at a party with them last night. And we just stayed out way too late and they're the best ladies (laughs) and they've been a huge gift in my life. So that's 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 my one thing. (laughs) Wonderful.
1: Well, Sister Josephine Garrett, thank you so much for joining us. It's just been an absolute delight. And I hope people, you have a book coming out in October. I hope people follow you on Instagram and just thank you so much for saying yes to Jesus. And just thank you for being such a beautiful witness of a woman in love and just a woman who's just a fierce mama. I just, yeah, it's just been such a delight to spend time with you today. So thank you so much.
3: Same here. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) You are a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: All right, dear friends, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope that it blesses you. And so until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group, and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit, 501 501c3 all donations are tax-deductible. You can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member, and you will receive bonus content every month such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash abiding together podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.